Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by Britain in the heat to literally any other country in the world dealing with heat. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. To be fair, it has been extraordinarily hot these past few days, hasn't it? So I think we can let people off for seriously struggling recently. Justin, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine considering. As you say, it's been it's been a hot one last uh, last few days. Although I haven't suffered as much as I thought I would. I don't really like the heat too much, but I've been okay. Like it's just been like being, it's been like being on a holiday, and you know it's been a nice little getaway in my little cul-de-sac in in Derbyshire. It's not been on holiday heat though. Earlier this week, has it? For anyone who's listening abroad, by the way, this <laughs> means absolutely little to you, but. When it got to like 38, 39 degrees. I mean, Justin, before this week, the hottest I'd ever been was when I went to Australia many years ago, and that was 36 degrees. So for it to happen in England, I just never expected to happen, but it was extraordinarily hot. Yeah, and there were still games going on yesterday as well. Uh, obviously, uh, I know, sorry, earlier I in know. The week. How ridiculous. Absolutely mad. It's I, I can't imagine... Um, exercising even a little bit just raising my heartbeat by five beats per minute i can't imagine doing that and it being comfortable i can you imagine playing 90 minutes or 60 minutes for pre-season absolutely bonkers my dad went to watch the cricket and um, over the past couple of days and even then i just even playing cricket <laughs> i imagine would just be terror but running around I, I just could not think of anything worse but just in, enough of all that eight days to go until the new championship season, it snuck up on us a bit, hasn't it? But eight days, Justin, can you believe that it's just around the corner now? I, I can. This 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 break has felt a lot longer than the previous ones we've had to, to go through. Obviously, the first one we had when we started recording was, was COVID, so the break was a lot shorter anyway. But then last season, it seemed to go pretty quick. It was It was quite nice, but this one seems to have gone on forever, and I don't know why. Perhaps it's the heat, I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm glad it's coming back, and, and yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really excited for the football because I generally can't call the what's going to happen this season. It's it's a lot more unpredictable than others, and I know it's a bit of a cliche with the championship, but I feel like we're in that area. Well, it's a good thing we're doing a predictions episode today, isn't it? <laughs> Welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, as I say, we are doing a predictions episode, ladies and gentlemen. You won't be getting who we think is going to win the league, who we think is going down, any of that. We're saving that for our league table predictions, which may I remind you, the first episode is coming out on Sunday. Then we'll have the mid-table kind of area on the Tuesday and then the top eight out on Thursday. So you've got that ready for you in your 
feeds or whatever you listen to listen to us on um, in the next few days so get ready for that but here in the meantime we're going to be doing our early predictions for things like top goal scorer player of the season young player of the season which manager we think is going to be sacked first uh, the biggest underachiever dark horse that kind of thing ladies and gentlemen so you'll get a bit of that as kind of a freshener upper before we do our full-blown league table predictions over the next week. But before we get underway, let me tell you, listener, about our friends at Fansbet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to sporting charities and causes which are important to fans. Do check them out by clicking the link in the description of the podcast and claim your 200% sports deposit bonus of up to £200. Just what you need before the new season of course terms and restrictions apply full details on site 18 plus please do gamble responsibly visit begambleware.org for more info and do also check out fans bet responsible gambling tools so what we're going to start off with justin is the individual kind of predictions so your top goal scorers player of the year etc etc we'll kick things off with top goal scorer shall we do you want some facts justin well you know me i love information let's uh let's let's go for it let's let, let, lay it oh. down for me Get your head around these. The last four top goal scorers in the championship were playing for teams that got promoted. Now, you might be listening and thinking, well, that's not much of a surprise. But only one of the previous five um, prior to that weren't playing for teams who got promoted. And even that one was Andre Gray. He started the season off for Brentford and they didn't get promoted that season before he moved to Burnley in January. So something for you to keep in mind. Only four from the last ten top goal scorers were playing for the team who scored the most goals, which... I found quite surprising, Justin. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, given if you go to to last season, for example, where there was such a high percentage of players who had scored at least 15 and above, um, I don't want to say it's a record and go out and say it's a record, but I, I, you know, as I say, the amount of players that scored 15 goals or more last season was absolutely absolutely bonkers. So yeah, this 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 statistical information you're firing at me is, uh, is mind-blowing. My mind is blown. I don't think I can carry on. Well, here's some more for you anyway. Oh, Only two of the last nine top scorers were English. They were Justin Peach. <laughs> uh, Ivan Tony and... Uh, Literally just mentioned him. I, you know me, I don't pay attention to what you say. Andre, Andre Gray. Gray. Yeah, I got yes. that before. Only three players have been top goal scorer more than once. Those are Alexander Mitrovic, Timu Puki, and who, Justin Peach? Um, Andre Gray? No, Sylvan Ebanks-Blake, you were close. Um, no one has been top scorer on more than two occasions. Could that possibly change this season with Mr Pookie back in the Championship? We'll find out, Justin. Who have you gone for as top goal scorer in the Championship this forthcoming season? I've gone with the Dutchman, Joel Pirro. And the reason why I have is because I mean, the, the sheer amount of goals he scored last season for a team that were as heavily inconsistent as Swansea were... I think is um, I think is a high accolade, twenty two goals to to be exact, and that put that tally put him third in the goal scoring charts last season, behind or joint third I should say behind Dominic Solanke and Alexander Mitrovic, who were both monstrous um, last season and playing for teams with yeah a fair amount of wealth and quality in their teams. Um, but for me, it's, it's his ability to find space and for the ball to land at his feet and for him to have the instinct to shoot first time and, and more or less score, um, I think is a quality that no other forward, maybe Timo Pukki, but no other forward possesses in the championship. And um, Thomas Muller made a career of it. Uh, Ross McCormack is the championship equivalent that I can think of. Just the way he, 
finds space and he's able to make things happen in 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 those areas um yeah he's he's a really special forward i'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do this season i've also gone for joel pirro and that is purely because of one thing in particular, how deadly his finishing was last season. I know some people aren't too keen when we talk about things like expected goals, but Joel Pirro massively overperformed his, which for me shows his finishing was through the roof last season. Now, some might be sceptical about him doing it again, and they might think it was just a one-off season. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. He, he's come to England without a huge you know, goal record um, prior to him coming. But I don't think it will be just because he showed enough for me last season that he is a proven goal scorer, a clinical goal scorer. The only issue I've got is, will he stay? Because he has been linked with moves to the Premier League. Leicester in particular have been heavily linked. So that's a question mark for me. And I know Swansea fans are certainly sweating over that. But if he does stay, which I hope and think he will do, then they've without a doubt got a player who should get at least double figures maybe even at least 15 goals next season um but he could definitely go more uh, than the 22 goals he got last season Absolutely. and with the likes of my club Femi alongside him as well um there's going to be plenty of goals um, around that Swansea team next season you'd have thought uh, another player I mentioned who I kind of put in brackets really is Emmanuel Dennis at Watford for obvious reasons If they keep him, you just know Watford won't be too far away from the top two at the very least because any striker who scores double figures in the Premier League should rightly be feared in the Championship. And it's not just that. He also fits into the way Rob Edwards wants to play, getting loads of crosses into the box and him getting on the end of that. And I think that could lead to him hitting even higher levels than he was in in the Premier League. The obvious question mark is, will he stay? Everton have been linked with him for quite some time, but having said that, Everton have been linked with just about everyone. So how serious the interest is, I don't know. But if it doesn't happen, Dennis comes across to me as the kind of guy who won't throw his toys out the pram if he doesn't get that move back to the Premier League and he'll just crack on and uh, get his head down, going back to scoring as many goals as possible for Watford next season. And that makes them a very dangerous side, of course, if he does stay. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, completely agrees. He's a player that's got all the all the um, needed attributes to to thrive in the championship, and he he did impress a Watford, uh, you know, a poor Watford team last season, and they you know, they're very good, um, they're very good. I don't want to say attributes, but qualities to have going into the championship. It's just whether or not he's had his head turned too much because we've seen with some players that can have an impact. I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't for Watford because, as you say, he could be he could be a, di- a goal scorer is the difference between have, being a playoff team and being a. Uh, you know, a promotion-winning team. If you look at Solanke and Mitrovic last season, for example, Steve, um, Steve Cooper Swansea the season before didn't have a, a number nine who put the ball in the back on the regular. They had Andre Ayew and, and Jamalo, and that's about it. But yeah, a goal scorer could be the difference between top two and uh, top six finish. Let's go on to player of the season, Justin. Here's a couple of facts for you. In the last 17 championship seasons, only four player of the seasons weren't playing for a side which got promoted. And you have to go all the way back to 2006 to find the last player of the season who wasn't a midfielder or a forward. That was, Justin? Uh, 2006, Graham Alexander. Phil Jagielka for Sheffield United. Mm. Um, So who have you gone for as player of the season? Actually, you know what, Justin? I'll go first because it kind of... My past answer kind of follows on nicely into this one. I've gone for Ishmael Assar of Watford. Now, this is also, of course, with the caveats that he might be leaving at the time of recording. 
I'm not seeing much concrete evidence to suggest he's got his bags packed. And of course, Watford fans will be hoping very much that continues to be the case. So hopefully he stays. I think he's certainly more likely to stay than Emmanuel Dennis at the time of recording. But um, he is a phenomenal player. Um, You only have to look at the time when he was in the Championship a couple of seasons ago when he was absolutely brilliant. He took a bit of time to get going, but when he was in top gear, he was frightening. He was quite unfortunate, really, that Emmy Brendier was also playing right wing because otherwise I think he'd been in just about everyone's team of the seasons and maybe even winning player of the season for that season. Um, But he was one of the main reasons, arguably the main reason, why they went up. The guy has got so much potential. Um, He is frightening with the ball at his feet. When he's running at a defender, defenders just don't know what to do. Um, And his goal scoring, when we saw it in the Championship, maybe not as much in the Premier League last season, but when he was in the Championship before was exceptional um, and you just know you can just tell with this guy that he is way too good to be playing championship football and he shouldn't really be playing in the second tier but that's the fact of the matter that he may very well be doing it again next season one concern I have got is how he fits into Rob Edwards's system Forrest Green mainly played a 3-5-2 last season mm-hmm. that could potentially hinder him because I hardly recall him playing anywhere other than on the right-hand side. So the formation may have to be adapted to suit him. Alternatively, he may be forced to play more centrally, which may um, bring out some unknown potential in him and Mm -hmm. may reap its own benefits if that does happen. So without a doubt, Saar's going to be in the conversation for player of the season if he is there for um, the entire season. It's just about him you know, fitting into the system and being given the reins to uh, do what he wants with the football. Justin, who have you gone for, for player of the season? I've gone with uh, Jed Wallace. And this is an easy one for me. I had my mind made up pretty much straight away. Um, and if you look at his performances for Millwall over the past few years, he, he's had a couple of seasons where... Sure, yeah, as you were stating facts earlier, if Millwall had got promoted, he'd have probably been in with a shout of winning player of the season. Um, wasn't to be, didn't happen, but he's been a continuous source of goals and creativity in a Millwall team that hasn't been adventurous going forward. They play their mm. way, it suits them. But that just means Jed Wallace has had to be extra clinical with his decision-making, with his laying up assists, um, his set pieces, and as well, got uh, goal scoring as well. Um, and over the past five years in his time at Millwall in the Championship, he's averaged eight, season, uh, eight assists a season, um, which for me is very consistent and continuous. And there aren't many players who can do that. John Swift, for example, is the other player I'd, I'd, I would have put in his bracket, but he's had a good season, a average season, a good season. He's been inconsistent, whereas Jed Wallace has been just good all the way through. And I think him fitting into this West Brom team, and Steve Bruce has got previous in terms of allowing his creative players to impact the game how they want. You know, look at Jack Grealish and his spell with Vaston Villa under Steve Bruce. Really came out of his shell. And I think Jad Wallace can do the same for, for, for West Brom. I really, really do. And you put him in that team surrounded by DK, Swifty and Garner, Grant. There's a lot of potential for assists there. Um, so not only thinking logically, but also he's got it in the, he's got it in the locker to, to step up to a level that West Brom need. Well, he was one of the top chance creators in the division last season and he's also deadly in front of goal himself. So you'd have thought he'd be up there for goals and assists next season, especially if um, West Brom, the forwards, decide to actually start putting away chances <laughs> this season. Um, but if that does happen, then he could rack up a serious amount of goal contributions, doesn't he? This is an interesting one, Justin. Young player of the season. Who have you gone for? 
I think this is always a difficult one to predict because it's, it's difficult predicting who's going to have a good season when they're only 19, 20, 21. Um, but the player who's going to stand out for me is Alex Scott with Bristol City. He's such a good player and, and you can tell that Bristol City are going to give him more opportunities in his desired position in central midfield. He's been given the number seven shirt for starters and he's coming off the back of a very positive summer where he lifted the under-19s Euros with England and I think that momentum can carry on into the next season. Um, can he have a season like Brennan Johnson or Fabio Carvalho? They were otherworldly. I don't think he can. Maybe he can. But for me, he will be given the platform to at least have the chance. And he's got the ability to do it. There's no question of that. He's a tenacious midfielder. He's shown that he can pop up in positions, the good positions to get shots off, get goals as well. Um, and I think that's going to really bode well for, for Bristol City next season. I hope they play a little bit more on the front foot. And Alex Scott, for me, can be the spearhead of that midfield. Give them more control as well, which is something that they need to tighten up. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he progresses this season. This could be a coming out, breakout season for him. That season was good. I think this season can be better for him. Yeah, I, I really rate Alex Scott as a player. I think he's absolutely marvellous to watch. And I think the best thing about him is, many times last season, he was shifted out to right wing back, mm-hmm. wasn't he? Now that they've brought in Kane Wilson, I don't think that's going to be an issue anymore because he's... He's clearly a centre midfielder. He did a, a fine job at right wing back, but him in the middle of the park is where he operates best. So, yeah, he's one I'm really, really excited about for the new season. Young player of the season for me, I've gone for Tommy Doyle at Sheffield United. This guy is such a good prospect, and I know I've been harping on about him a lot over the past few weeks, but it's hard not to because I'm so excited about what he can do this season. For Cardiff last season, brilliant. One of the main reasons why they drifted away from the relegation battle because um, he managed to add so much more for them going forwards when they lacked so much prior to that in terms of creativity. But he's so good at making things tick over, keeping hold of the ball, dictating the game. Um, and he can easily drop in a bit deeper if needs be, going a bit forwards. Um, he's a great, great option to have in midfield. Mm. And he was doing this all last season at the age of 20, keep in mind, for someone to be playing that role and basically controlling the game at that age is remarkable. And imagine what he can do next season with an extra year's experience under his belt while being surrounded by better players. It truly is quite frightening what his ceiling is, Justin. I think he's capable of notching a few goals and assists next season too. That won't be... um, what I judge his season on but it wouldn't go amiss if he were to notch up a few there as well Um, only thing I can really say is irritatingly he looks like he's going to miss the first couple of games of the season with an injury but I don't see that having too much of an impact on what should be a really really good season for him because I really really rate this lad and I'm glad that he's gone to a club like Sheffield United who will be looking to get into the Premier League again in the coming season after this Um, Justin do you agree with Tommy Doyle you're a fan? Yeah, I, yeah, like you, I I really do rate him. Um, and I think it, as well in that Sheffield United midfield, we saw towards the end of last season, especially that Sheffield United needed players arriving on the edge of the box. And if, obviously, Norwood's one of those midfielders that's going to sit back. Sander Burge is going to drive forward. Um, and John Fleck is sort of in and around the, the box, keeping things ticked over. Tommy Doyle adds something completely different. He adds that goal-scoring edge that every midfield needs. Um, and as well as that, he's, he's got the composure um, to to be a goal scorer in that team from midfield. And I think it's going to be really helpful for Sheffield United going into the season because they've been heavily reliant on Billy Sharp. 
adding Tommy Doyle in takes that pressure off a little bit. Yeah, they will also be getting help from the likes of Endai, Brewster, Jebison, etc., etc. So there should hopefully be a healthy amount of goals shared around the team. This is interesting, Justin. I'm very interested to hear who you've gone for for this one. We've gone for first manager to leave or be sacked this season. I wonder who Justin Peters gone for. Yeah, well, uh, obviously I wrote my notes before the reports of John Eustace speaking to the Birmingham City uh, owners, uh, potential Birmingham City owners for his future has come out. He could be the first one, but the obvious one for me and something that I've alluded to before is Michael O'Neill. It's obviously difficult. There are are going to be a lot of managers under pressure as the season starts. How Valadzi, Nigel Pearson... But for me, Nigel Pearson, yeah, he's, he's, he's the one who's going to be most under pressure to get his get his team off to a get Stoke off to a good start. Um, you know, you can mention budget, you can mention injuries being an issue that has hindered them. But two 14th place finishes in two full seasons at Stoke, I don't think is good enough. As I say, injuries haven't helped, and needing to shift Deadwoods isn't an ideal set of circumstances. But teams with smaller budgets and smaller squads have out-competed Stoke City throughout the course of a season. Um, and as I say, reading what Stoke fans have been saying about pre-season, they haven't been massively enamoured by it either. They haven't been excited. They haven't. It's been a bit flat. Um, and there isn't much optimism going into the season, which can seep onto the pitch, can seep into management, can seep into boardroom thinking as well. So I think Michael O'Neill is under massive, massive pressure going into the season. Yeah, it's hard to deny that he will be under pressure, if, particularly if Stoke don't get off to a good start because they're a club who have been looking to get back into the Premier League quite soon, haven't they? It's just not even come close, really. So if it is another season of mid-table mediocrity, despite my defence of O'Neill plenty of times over the past few months, I think it, it may be time uh, for a change. I've gone for shot of a ladsy of Hull. Now, the whole revolution has had plenty of airspace with us, and rightly so, Justin. It's a very exciting time to be a Hull fan. One thing that constantly keeps holding me back from getting too excited about them is the manager. Six wins from 19 games is not exciting by any stretch of the imagination, particularly when the manager before got more wins than that in nearly the same number of games. Um, I didn't really understand what the game plan was with Hull on many occasions, and if there was some sort of game plan that I could see there on the pitch, maybe I could give him the benefit of the doubt, but I simply couldn't. Who knows? With better players at his disposal, he may be able to get more of a tune out of this team. Only time will tell. But the bottom line here is this. The Hull owners want to get promoted. We've seen that with the players they've brought in. They are going all out. Not necessarily to be promoted this season, but in the next couple of years. One way or the other, if they start this season poorly, Shota Valadzi will be sacked without any doubt in my mind. Um, Justin, do you agree? When you put it like that, yes. I, you know, I'll give Valadzi some benefit of doubt. I, I saw some glimmers last season that interested me a fair bit and obviously deserves a crack going into the season. But as you say, it really does depend what the owner's expectations are. And obviously if Valadzi gets off to a poor start, that could yeah, that could trigger that could trigger a, a spate of sackings or um, yeah them wanting to change the manager. So yeah, Arvladzi will be under pressure, but I think he deserves the opportunity to to get his ideas across to a new team because that's what we've got to remember as well. It's 
almost going to be an entirely new team. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do in a, in a short space of time. Let's just in, let's have a quick break. After that, we'll talk about some of our team predictions, including Dark Horse and Biggest Underachiever ahead of the new season. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. We're doing our early predictions for the new championship season, with it being just eight days away. Now, we're going on to our team predictions. Justin, I need you to be very, very careful here so as to not spoil <laughs> our league table predictions, which are coming out in the next week. But you can make some sort of a hint as to where you're expecting teams to be targeting but don't make it too obvious whatever the case let's go to dark horse who have you gone for as the dark horse for the forthcoming championship season i've gone with millwall they're gonna be champions and that's it i'm joking i'm joking simple as that you <laughs> want to keep it that tidy and that tight that you're just going with that are you basically tidy and tight as uh, go route likes it defensively um but for me, looking at their team, I don't think losing Jed Wallace is as big of a blow because of how they've recruited in their squad. Um, you know, you look at Zian Fleming, George Honeyman, Jamie Shackleton, Benny Kofobe and Ryan Cresswell. Ryan Cresswell's really good signing um, on loan. Yeah, these are these are all excellent signings and I think they fill a void and go a bit further um, than, than what they had with Jed Wallace, which isn't a criticism of Jed Wallace. They were too reliant on Jed Wallace and I think they're fixing that this season which I think will propel them further up the table. There were two points off the playoffs in, in 2020, 15 points off in 2021. There were 17 draws, so, and there were six points off last season. I think the likes of um, of Zian Fleming, they've got, if they fight Zian Fleming and, and Benny Kofobi, if they can find a better balance between being defensive and attacking, they will come out better in all of those tight games that they drew last season. And that will propel them further up the table, wherever that is, not giving it away, champions. I like that, Justin. Um, I am also quite excited about Millwall. I haven't got them as my dark horse, but I am very quietly excited about what they can do purely because of the fantastic business they've done this summer. I've been really, really impressed with it. Um, Gary Rowe is certainly capable of getting a team into the top six. Um, It's just about whether he can get results on a consistent basis because that is something that have has gone amiss from Millwall for the past couple mm. of years or three years even and I've gone for my dark horse as Swansea City and I've been excited for Swansea for quite some time even as far as towards the end of last season when um, the season was just dying down I saw a lot from Russell Martin's side to say that he knows what he's doing now and he's got this team going in the right direction and the players seem to have finally brought into what he's doing there. We were talking about it earlier, Justin. Joel Pirro should be in the conversation for top goal scorer. Yeah. Um, but I also think Michael Obafemi could be too mm-hmm. because he really showed a goal scoring now stat you need from a striker and we've got two strikers who will be chipping in with plenty of goals next season that's always very handy but then you've got the likes of Jamie Patterson Jamie Patterson for example who can also notch up a few as well and defensively they had a few problems there last season but they brought in Harry Darling from MK Dons which I think could be a really really tidy signing he was phenomenal for MK Dons last season and of course Russell Martin knows him well from when they were both at uh, MK. Um, 
so he knows what he's getting and he's getting a ball playing defender who's um, young Mm -hmm. but looks ready to make the step up to this division and if he's only going to get better and better then that's a good sign for Swansea isn't it they didn't need too much last season I don't think to um, have gone that extra step further and be in the conversation for the top six one question I have got at the moment is wing-backs. Wing-back is looking a bit of an issue at the moment. It looks like Joel Latabodier could be playing right wing-back, which I'm not too sure about um, after Cyrus Christie hasn't re-signed um, and Hans Wolf hasn't come back. Um, but that may be something that gets addressed before the transfer window ends. So at the time of recording, it's a concern, but maybe sorting out down the line. Nonetheless, I'm really liking the look of this Swansea team in the midfield as well, which I haven't even mentioned. Matt Grimes, Joe Allen, very experienced, mm-hmm. but also plenty of technical ability in there as well. So there's a lot to like about this Swansea team, especially with Russell Martin at the helm, who is such an exciting young manager. Um, Justin, biggest underachiever. I found this one a bit difficult because... It depends what you class as underachievement, really, mm. doesn't it? Who have you gone for? And I think when you give your answer, give us a reason why you think they'd be underachieving. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw in what, but the reason why first. I think that's an easier way of justifying what I'm going to say about the team. But I think, given that they're coming down from the, the Premier League, uh, narrows it down. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> given that they're coming down from the Premier League, that narrows it down. And given that I've seen a lot of prediction tables put them in the top two I'm a bit more skeptical but I'm, I'm going with Norwich um, and I, the reason why I think that is because I believe that the tide is turning into a new chapter for them which is obvious because obviously Daniel Fox left but that goes with recruitment as well maybe Stuart Webber I feel like Stuart Webber's lost his touch a little bit I might be being overly critical but if you look at the recruitment last summer it was a bit random for me. It was Justin, a bit random. Justin, this is something I've been saying for quite some time. Stuart Webber gets a lot of praise for Son and the likes of Brendier and Pookie um, for basically nothing. But you look at the rest of the business he's done, very hit and miss, isn't mm-hmm. it? Oh, yeah, exactly. But uh, you're not going to get them all right. But I don't think that summer's since they signed Pookie, Brendier, Stieperman, um plays like that, Tim Crawl as well. I don't think they've had a summer where they have been consistently effective in righting the wrongs of the team, if that makes sense. So I, I look at a team now and there's a lot of baggage there from the Premier League. They were really poor last season. Things brightened up a little bit under Dean Smith. But if I look at the squad, I, I do see good players and perhaps I'm blinded a little bit by the success of Daniel Farker in the Championship and perhaps in comparing those team, those two teams, even though they're completely different I just don't think it's as strong as it has been in recent years. So I can't see them pushing for a top two place. I really can't. And I don't think they're going to spend... The, they, well, they won't. They might do. But I don't think they'll spend the necessary money they need to bring in the replacements for players that have gone in the past. Like Buendia. I still don't think he's been replaced. I still don't think the players out there can step up and replace him because they haven't so far. Creatively, last season, they were blunt. Puki was very effective. Got double-figure goals last season. I just don't think they can replicate the success they've had in the past or hit expectation this season. Even with signing Gabriel Sara? Yeah, I, I side with Tim Vickery on that one. I'm not massively convinced. I'll side with the expert on Brazilian football with that. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, biggest underachiever, I've gone for Huddersfield Town. Now, I will add in the caveat, it depends what you count Huddersfield's expectations as. But if you consider a team dropping down from you know a dodgy couple of penalty decisions away 
to whether they go next season, then I really am quite worried about Huddersfield. I'm not saying relegation battle, but I wouldn't completely rule it out. And there there are plenty of reasons for that. Of course, Carlos Corbrand leaving is such a massive blow. He is... He did such a fantastic job last season. Danny Schofield, very highly rated by the Huddersfield hierarchy, but only time will tell whether he is actually a good manager or not. Um, And the big concern for me is the news that's come out in the past week about the departures of Harry Toffolo and Lewis O'Brien, which haven't been confirmed at the time of recording, but look very likely to happen. Lewis O'Brien is such an important player for Huddersfield. He ran the game on so many occasions last season. Harry Toffolo was the best left-back in the division for us last season, yeah. once he justed. Yeah. Losing those two is a real big blow. And when you take them out of the team, sure, they've got a couple of really good players in there. The likes of Summer Thomas, uh, Lee Nichols. But you take um, the two I mentioned before out of the team, the likes of Levi Colwell as well, Sonani. There are a lot of players who have gone out the door. So a lot of very important players who are key to that Huddersfield team's success from last season. And the squad that's been left over, mm, I'm not too sure. And the players they brought in this summer, um, it was one of the reasons why Carlos Corbran left. Because he wasn't too happy with the ambition that Huddersfield was showing um, heading into this season. I like Jack Radoni from Wimbledon. I think that's a good mm-hmm. signing, but I don't think it's enough to see them getting to the top half of the table yeah. for example so yeah I am quite worried about Huddersfield heading into next season there's been a lot of turmoil over the past few weeks and I think that could um, lead to them having a bit of an underwhelming season to say the very least Justin let's go to best performing relegated side now I remember last season when we had the three relegated sides I think in our top three mm-hmm. of our yeah. uh, league table predictions Mine's not the same as that next season, and I'm guessing yours isn't no. if you're not fancying Norwich to do much next season. But which side do you think will do the best out of the relegated teams? I think Burnley. Um, and the reason why I think Burnley is because they've moved quickly in transfer window. It was a very slow start for them. Um, took a while to get, obviously, Vincent Company through the door. But as soon as that was the case, transfers started coming in. They started to... Uh, the recruitment's been really, really refreshing, actually. They've brought in some young, hungry players, some players who deserve a chance at this level uh, and and players who not necessarily have a point to prove, but you know, someone like Josh Cullen, for example, who was released from West Ham, went to Anderlecht, did very well, and he's come back to, come back to the Championship with Burnley. They've got a real platform to um, perform and excel. Scott Twine, very good signing again. Obviously been linked with Callum O'Hare. The signings are a bit samey, but... There's a lot of creativity that's going to come through the doors, which is something that they desperately, desperately need. They're perhaps a goalkeeper, centre-half and, and youngish striker, short, but the squad is, is is very good. And for me, it's close between them and Watford, but I think because Burnley are a little bit more ahead of them in terms of recruitment and building that team that they need to, to thrive and be a success, I would edge towards Burnley being the best performing relegated team. Completely fair enough. I've gone for Watford as the best performing relegated side. The reason is because of the players that I mentioned before. If they manage to keep Emmanuel Dennis and Ishmael Assar, then they're two players who are way too good to be playing championship football next season. Of course, they might not be staying, but who knows at the moment. Um, Even if just one stays, then they'll be in with the shout of getting automatically promoted next season. But the rest of the side is still fantastic. They've still got remnants of the team who got promoted a couple of seasons Mm -hmm. ago, um, but they've also added in the players who 
they had when they were in the Premier League last season, like Kamara, for example, from left wing back, is a really, really fantastic player. And I know Watford fans were, you know, really excited about him um, after he joined. So they've got some really, really good players. Manager, 50-50 on at the moment. Um, whether Rob Edwards is the man to get them back into the Premier League, I think he's got the potential to be a really good manager. I have got a big a bit of a concern that this may be a season too soon. But if it's not working out, Watford could do what Watford do and sack him and get someone in who is very good at getting teams promoted. Um, see Isco Munoz from a couple of seasons ago. So, yeah, that, that's why I, that's why I'm siding with Watford because the squad's brilliant and even if it doesn't work out, they're not afraid to, you know, get a different man in to try and change yeah. things up. So that's why I've gone with Watford. Best performing promoted side, Justin, is our final question of the day. Who have you gone for? I've gone with Sunderland. It's, it's a very obvious one, um, but for me, the squad... Let me is... stop you right there, Justin. I've also gone with Sunderland. It's, just, it's just to put it out, it is fairly obvious, yeah, obvious yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Carry on. Yeah, and the reason why it's obvious, I'll jump in before we get hate from Wigan and Rotherham fans, it's the budget and the pulling power of Sunderland. It's very difficult to just... And, and, and obviously Alex Neal as well. It's very difficult to, to, to not pick them in this at this point as I say the squad that they've got and the form that Alex O'Neill instilled into that team um, from February on was last season was just ridiculous they were solid they were clinical they created chances and they didn't stop the amount of goals they scored after 80 minutes was mad I can imagine a lot of Sunderland fans aged about 10 years um, towards the end of last season and purely down to that but as I say the pulling power pulling and financial power of Sunderland is always going to be Absolutely massive, especially when you're coming up from League One into the Championship. They've shown that with their recruitment so far. You look at Wigan, Wigan have been quite quiet. Rotherham have, have, have had to replace outgoing players, big outgoing players as well, which is a bit of a concern. So, yeah, for me, Sunderland, probably a striker short from being a fairly decent Championship side. I don't really have much to add on that front, unfortunately. Um, Wigan haven't been able to sign players so that's always going to hinder them and Rotherham as we've said plenty over the past few weeks have <laughs> really struggled in terms of keeping hold of players <laughs> um, plus they've got that remarkable record where for the past 10 seasons they've either been top four of League One or bottom four of the championship and unfortunately I don't see that changing this season so Sunderland were an obvious shout for this aren't they because they are Sunderland they're a massive club and it's good to see them back in League One uh, in League in the championship Ooh. sorry Um that's a slip of the tongue um, but the squad's also very handy and I really rate Alex Neal as a manager so yeah this this wasn't too hard to call how high will they finish you can find out in our league table predictions ladies and gentlemen which will be coming up very soon Sunday is the first of our league table predictions uh, where we'll have 24th to 19th or 18th it, we, we do it by 8 so the yeah. bottom 8 mid table um, and then the top 8 um, mid-table will be on the Tuesday and top eight will be on the Thursday so you've got that to look forward to ladies and gentlemen it's my favourite time of the year when we put our necks on the line and get mercilessly bullied about it a year later <laughs> um, give us a teaser Justin as to how your table's looking right now you've got your first draft done haven't you yeah there's 24 teams in it I'll give that much away um, good yeah there's there's three teams that have been relegated from the Premier League three teams that have been promoted from League One um, yeah there's, there's no derby which all of our listeners will be glad to know 
Um, but that's that's how it's that's looking so helpful. far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my um, I, I did forget about one team when I was putting mine together. I just <laughs> couldn't figure out which team it was. Um, I, I won't reveal who that was. Um, but yeah, mine my, my my table at the moment is split up into three bits, which is quite convenient considering that's how we're doing our episodes. I've got my promotion chasers, I've got my mid tablers, and I've got uh, the rest of the teams. Um, but I'm I struggle to put any of those teams into different sections at the moment Mm -hmm. but I'm fairly happy with how my table's looking right now but it may change slightly there are some teams who I would have said a couple of weeks ago yeah top half but then when I'm actually putting them in a table they continuously move down because I think oh no they've got to be above them and then I'm like oh god they're 18th Um, so that's a bit of what I've got with my table but to give a bit of a teaser, I'm, I'm fairly happy now with how things are looking, Justin. Yeah, well, you can't fit 24 teams in the top 12, which is, yeah, a very difficult thing to do. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> People will be frustrated with it, but why do we care? Because we've got to put them somewhere, haven't we? So exactly. You can't please everyone. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Sunday, first of our three league table predictions. We look forward to seeing you then. And as always, thank you for listening to the second tier. We really appreciate it, but it's not long now until the championship season is back in our lives. This has been the second tier podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I'll be Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.